This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everyone. This is a special replay of the 9-11 tribute episode we did a few years ago. Many of you have asked us to play it again, and we know we have many new listeners that have never heard it before. And Jamie and I and Jen feel it is very important not to forget what this day means. What I did is put a special 9-11 tribute episode uh, interviewing people from all over the horse world asking, where were you on 9-11? You can listen in today as fellow horse people tell their heartfelt stories of the day that changed uh, the, the United States and the world. We asked for contributions from our listeners and people from around the horse world and put a lot of effort into putting this particular episode together. People seem to really appreciate it last year, and I have received several emails now asking for a replay this year on 9-11, and we want to let you know that we don't forget, and we hope you don't forget as well. Our thoughts and prayers are still with the families of people who lost uh, loved ones on that day and subsequently in the military since then. So get your tissues out. This is a replay of the special episode that we put together last year. I hope that uh, I hope that you appreciate and enjoy it. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to a special commercial-free episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 11, 2012, episode 485. Eleven years ago today, at this very hour, an event happened that changed the United States and the world. This special episode of Horses in the Morning honors those that died that day. Where were you on 9-11? We have heard from listeners and other horse people from around the country about their experiences and where they were on 9-11. We will share those stories with you today. Horse people are very compassionate people, and we will never forget the people that died that day and those that sacrificed their lives for others. May God bless them and their families. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I was lying in bed. Uh, all of a sudden, I heard what sounded like uh, a plane or something coming extremely low, and then we just heard this shattering explosion. I ran up to the roof and confronted by this horror. There's a gaping hole. I can see the south face, and uh, there are flames. There are papers flying out of the windows, black flames. There are, there are uh, flames coming out of multiple floors. Tomorrow, all the things were gone. I'd work for all things my are life, really in chaos. And I had to start again. Just my children and my oh, Tons wife. of people were running down Fulton Street. Thank my lucky stars to be living here. The World Trade Center is smoking. Because the flag still stands for freedom. Coming out of all sides. And they can't take that away. It's a symbol, I think, of our strength that uh, we are the United States of America. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men. I looked out my windows to see what was going on, and the Second World Trade Center just went into flames just from one minute to the next. I was actually talking to, my, talking to my brother on the phone about what happened. I, I was on my roof, and I saw something from where I am. I really can't see what it is. I saw something go into into the other building, because from where I am, I could see the World Trade Center. Smoke coming out of the top of the World Trade Center, both buildings now. From the lakes of Minnesota. It's really horrifying. To the hills We're just blocked away from the World Trade Center. Across the plains of Texas. Smoke and debris. From sea to shining sea. Building literally began to collapse. From Detroit down This Houston. story is not over yet. And New York to L.A. Well, this 
pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. Just a moment ago, we saw a huge amount of flames. That I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. We don't know what's going to happen next. And I won't forget the man who died, who gave that right to me. And I'm glad he stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. Smoke was just going in the air. God bless the there was uh, debris falling, uh, I'd say, at least three-quarters the height of the building. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the man who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the I am with Lori from Arkansas. Now, Lori, you were in a little bit different place than the rest of us. Tell us about your experience and where you were on 9-11 when you heard the news. Well, interestingly, on 9-11, I was um, living in the Middle East in a city called Urbid in Jordan and um, had been there for, I don't know, I guess for about a year. And um, things were peaceful and quite you know, typical. I was out going to the market. We didn't, uh, we were living very simple. We didn't have TVs. Many people there don't. And, um, I had just left my home and was walking into the market and, um, some of the neighborhood kids are very excited and kind of running around, a little scared. And, um, one of them stopped and, um, told my, my son who was then in first grade and I that, um, America had just been bombed, and they um, continued running home. There was um, quite a bit of excitement in the streets and fear. You could you sensed fear, and um, I went into the little market by our house where a lot of people went and watched television, and um, we all were kind of gathered around. There were, you know, probably a dozen people from the streets that came into the store to to watch and. Uh, the Twin Towers were there smoldering and their uh, news footage was rolling and um, it was incredibly surreal to be in the Middle East and see that happening. Um, no part of it felt like it could be possible or, or that it could be real. Um, I can remember standing there watching that and just feeling completely bewildered and... Um, having a sense that I, I needed to go home. Was uh what was the atmosphere with with the locals with uh in Jordan? The locals there definitely my my feeling was that there it they were very fearful. Um there was a great sense of fear as to what the reper- repercussions could mean for them. There were things in the news you know, pointing in the direction of the Middle East. Right. I mean, immediately. So, and, and we all kind of know what's what's going on in the world and how things kind of tend to play out. And um, there, there just was this sense of, oh my God, <laughs> something bad's going to happen. Now, were you inclined immediately after that to want to go home, or did you did you stay in Jordan? I started the procedures for going home very soon after that. It, it took a while. It's, um, it wasn't a case of just hopping on the plane and going. But yes, I, I did feel the need to get home. It, it was quite disconcerting um, to have something as tremendously impactive as that occur and to be outside of your country. One of the things I don't think I realized until we started doing the interviews for this is, you know, is how how it was carried live throughout the world. Here you are in a little shop in Jordan watching on a TV set, probably CNN or or, or, or a network like that, and you were watching it live. 
Right. I mean, that's not right. something you even think think about living here in the United States. You know, we all knew we were all watching it live, but you didn't think about the rest of the world watching it live as well, including the Middle East. Right. And the, and the impact on, you know, your everyday person, um, people that um, I was around day to day were people just like me. They just happened to be in another country, people who were trying to get groceries and what's for dinner tonight and, and you know, how to pay the light bill. And um, just because they were happened to be in Jordan, that's, that was their thoughts and feelings like any other average person and, and mine. And, uh, you know, everything kind of came to a screaming halt that day with the smoke billowing out of those Twin Towers. <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you so much, Laurie, for telling your story. And what an, what an amazing story and what an amazing place to be at. Uh, and something I'm sure, like the rest of us, you'll never forget. Exactly. That's for sure. My name is Leslie Wiley. I'm the managing editor of HorseNation.com and a guest on Horses in the Morning each Monday. Where was I on 9-11? After sitting glued to the television with my college roommate all morning, I'd torn myself away to drive out to the barn to meet a reporter and photographer from our local, local newspaper who'd come out to do a story about me. I'd won the Pony Club National Dressage Championships a few weeks before, and I guess they thought it would be a good hometown girl, then good feature. What would have ordinarily been a fun brag session, however, on that particular day felt completely hollow. Um, everyone involved, I think, was going through the motions. The reporter asking me questions and pretending to be interested in my answers. The photographer asking me to paste a forced smile on my face. And me feeling totally ridiculous as I recounted the story of winning the championships, a victory that now seemed so trivial and meaningless in light of what was happening in New York City. It's a feeling that has haunted me over the years. Every time I hear a news story about starving children or a natural disaster or a war, this guilt over how much time and energy I invest in equestrian pursuits when there's so much suffering in the world. How can we justify our indulgence and pleasure when we're surrounded by so much pain? And I still don't have an answer. I just have to believe somehow that what I'm doing does have intrinsic value, that happiness in whatever shape it takes has meaning that happiness is a gift we are meant to accept, that we enjoy our lives because that's what God wants. Ultimately, I think the best way to honor those who lost their lives on 9-11 is to continue living our own lives to the best of our ability, following our dreams, lifting up those around us, and seizing every moment of every day. I'm here with Chris from Equestrian Collections to tell her story about where she was when she heard the news on 9-11. Chris, what, where were you? Uh, I was actually at home, which I normally wouldn't be at that time. Um, we'd spent um, the, the evening before we'd gone in to Washington to the Kennedy Center. I remember it was a two-part performance. One part was um, on the 10th, and the next part we had tickets to go back the day later um, on the 11th. Um, and we were coming back, and the route takes us right past the... Um, um, the Pentagon, and it was all lit up, looks absolutely wonderful, and and my husband and I um, had a little chat about, you know, what an amazing building it is, and he'd worked in the Pentagon, um, it, and knew a lot of people from there, so we were just kind of chatting on, and off we went home, so it was late, it was gone midnight when we got in, so we were a little bit late, um, and I was just about to leave um, the house when the uh, phone rang, and it was my brother um, down in Florida, and um, he said he'd just heard from my brother in London, and it was, the news was breaking there, I guess, um, and he said, get on to the TV, put CNN on, and, and you know, see what's happening. Something's awful. It looks as though a plane has uh, hit uh, one of the towers uh, at the World Trade Center, and at this point, um, obviously, we kind of just, we, we put it on. Uh, must have been what, a little before uh, nine o'clock, eight forty-five, something like that. Um, and we were standing there, like everybody else, somewhat dismayed or shocked, looking at it and going, "Oh my goodness, all those people!" And then suddenly, of course, just after nine o'clock, um, I think this, the other plane went into the second tower, and we realized it wasn't just something that was horribly wrong. It was 
something way beyond, I think, any, you know, anything that anybody had thought possible um, in the United States. So um, with that, um, I can remember, you know, saying, well, first thing, call the office. I knew people would be in there to say, go home, because obviously, you know, that's selling equestrian attire and things on a day like that just didn't make any sense. And I wanted everyone home. We didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, we were so close to uh, Washington, D.C. We were um, 24 miles away as the crow flies from the White House, um, where my home was and also where my um, uh, the office uh, part of Equestrian Collections was. So, um, you know, we made that call. I think everybody obviously left right away and... Um, you know, the next thing that we knew um, was uh, President Bush came on, and then right after that, we heard of um, the Flight 77 going into the Pentagon. And you know, being around here, we all know people who work there, or we have staff who had relatives working in there, spouses working in there. So obviously, that was you know, that you just felt the day couldn't get any worse. Um, than than it was, and of course it did get worse and worse. But um, you know that's kind of where we were feeling extremely vulnerable, with you know family members calling from all over the country, wanting to know whether we were okay. People from England calling, since I'm from England, wanting to know what was happening. Um, were we all right? Cause we obviously we seemed awfully close um, to what some of what was happening. So. We were in a bunch of same situation because we had our we had the horse stuff company then, and we we had the, all yeah. the employees were sitting there watching the TV. We're all watching it together. One of the right. things that we haven't touched on yet in this show is how it affected the country. We really had no orders, and I think this was pretty much true for almost any kind of business. Mm. The, the orders just died for weeks. People, yes, pe- yes. The same with you. Yes, um, people just. Um, obviously, you're not, you, you've got everything that you need, and, and I think it realigned what was important um, to everybody. It's, um, obviously, your livelihood is important to you, but uh, I think everyone spent a lot of time checking in on their families and checking in, you know, trying to figure out if, what, what was going to happen to horses or people stranded with horses in strange places and um, lots of people trying to get back into um, the United States when um, all the planes were grounded. Um, a lot of them coming back where they had people taking care of their farms while they were on vacation. And, you know, that was the kind of thing that people were getting very concerned about. Um, people that were stuck in not where they wanted to be and having to, you know, come across country um, in cars or just being stuck for, you know, it seemed to be weeks on end. I'm sure it wasn't quite that, but trying to get back here was very, very difficult, um, especially for people who have animals and all of that. So we heard we heard a lot of that, um, of those stories at the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it took a long time before business kind of got back to normal, if we ever got back to normal, and I, I, I don't think we really ever have, but... Um, you, know, you, you pick up and you go on, and I think that was the the other thing was the, just a huge amount of inspiration that we all got from watching the people that did go in and help and did go and risk their lives as well um, and lost their lives going in to save other people. Um, and, you know, and then then hearing the personal stories, of, especially around here, people who had lost relatives in in the Pentagon. Um, so we we. Around here in the, in the Washington D.C. Northern Virginia area, I think we we felt it was very, very, very close to home for us.
just walk back through that door And tell me that I was only dreaming You're not really gone as long as I believe There will be another angel Around the throne tonight Your love lives on inside of me And I will hold on tight It's not my place to question Only God knows why I'm just jealous of the angels Around the throne Jealous of the Angels by Jen Bostick. You can find all of her music at jbmusicfun.com. We received an email from from somebody who is a friend of the Horse Radio Network who said that she could not get on because it would be too emotional to tell this story in person, and she asked that I read her email to you. This is from Karen. I grew up just outside the city, the other side of the TZ Bridge. My grandmother's Italian immigrant parents raised their family in New York City. My mother took the train into the city as a young girl. I often went to the city as a teenager. I could see the Empire State Building from my house on a clear day. The town I grew up in was home to many of the New York's finest, both police and firefighters. There is no place on earth like the Big Apple. It's part of me. I was at the office in Versailles, Kentucky, the day the towers came down, and my younger brother was working in Washington just around the corner from the Pentagon. I spent the morning alternately watching the devastation unfolding on TV and talking to my frantic parents and sister-in-law on the phone while trying to find out if my brother was alive. The cell service in D.C. was so disrupted it was hours before he was able to connect with his wife. My husband was traveling internationally that day. He was on the phone trying to decipher what was going on. It was surreal watching the towers fall. I remember the event unfold on the small TV we had in the break room. Everybody was glued to the TV. All work came to a halt. The phones even stopped ringing. 
The room was silent. As the first tower began to fall, I slid down the wall I was leaning against and ended up sitting on the floor. Then the second tower came down. I didn't want to watch, but at the same time, I couldn't look away. I was just in total shock. How could this be happening? All of those people, not just in the towers, but the buildings surrounding them, all the firefighters and the New York Police Department. It was so hard to explain to the people in the room who had never been there, never seen that area on a busy weekday morning, just how catastrophic this event was. It was horrendous, and it was real, and we were seeing it unfold in front of us. The images are forever burned into my memory. To me, the New York skyline will never be the same. The missing towers will forever be a testament to all those who lost their lives and gave their lives that day. Karen from Kentucky Performance Products in Versailles, Kentucky. My name is Amanda Wright, and I currently live in Manhattan, but at the time I lived in Medicine Lodge, Kansas. And actually, it's kind of funny because I was driving my Thunderbird out to our farm to feed my horse in the morning before school when um, when it came on the radio. And the radio station that I usually listen to often played pranks of that sort of nature, well, not that nature, but they were always doing some sort of shenanigans. And when I heard it, I just thought, oh, that's just really distasteful. Like, before they'd done a, a, a Godzilla attack on Tokyo and had played it out like it was very realistic and stuff. And so, you know, I, I got out of the car, I left it running and left the door open and was petting in my horse and feeding her in the morning and making sure she had clean water and everything and I got back in the car and I was driving to school because I was 17 at the time and it was my senior year and they just kept going and going and I was just like guys it's not funny please just stop you know and I actually ended up turning the radio off it was only that when I I got to school that I went into my, my first class, and every classroom had all their TVs on, tuned to the same news station. And honestly, that that's when my world changed forever, even though it was thousands of miles away. I did have friends in the area, and, you know, after speaking to them later that day, they you know, one girl especially said she was, even though she was in New Jersey, she could... Um, she had family in the area, you know, they saw it. It was, it was quite devastating for everyone. And, you know, that's the way that we lived for the next month or over a month. And just every day I went to school, we didn't do anything but watch the news. Everything was absolutely put on a standstill. And, for a graduation present, my, my family had planned uh, a road trip to Virginia. And we made a site, we, we had planned to make a site stop in Washington, but we actually um, have photographs of the Pentagon with all the damage in it. And so it just sort of, it really struck home, it really changed a lot of things because we had already made these plans. We were already going to see these things and now it just added a whole new aspect to it. And, you know, my, my sister was going on a missionary trip but she had to go to New York actually to interview with the group and, you know, her, her interview was in October. And so she actually got pictures of Ground Zero. She got to see it and she said that all of the businesses were closed and the smell of burning plastic and rotting human flesh was so completely overpowering that it was just unimaginable. And you could smell it for at least a six-block radius. It was just all-consuming. And so it just, it really, it really drove home how sad it really all was, how real it really all was. I know so many people watched it on the news. But my family actually got to experience it in ways that a lot of people ever didn't. And it just is sad. It's devastating. And I pray to God, I hope, that nothing like this ever happens again. And 
all of my hopes and wishes go out to the family members who lost their loved ones in that horrible, horrible attack. And I hope today that they are all strong and happy and healthy and moving on with their lives. Well, we have Joseph here from Equity Manufacturing, and thank you so much for calling in today to talk to us about where you were on 9-11. First question is, where in the country were you on 9-11? Actually, Glenn, at, at that particular time, I was over in Portugal. Oh, okay. Well, tell us how you heard, where were you when you heard the news? You know, it's a funny deal because 9-11, most of the time when I talk to you, I'm, I'm, I'm very upbeat and... I, to this day, I can still barely talk about 9-11 without profound sadness and, and a tremendous emotion. It was, it was one of the happiest moments of my life was, was those particular days. I'd been married for a number of years, and my wife had given me a beautiful black Andalusian stallion, and we, we decided that uh, one of the ways to get familiar with the horse was actually to do what Jamie did, which is to go over to Spain and Alcanza, or up Spain in the Andalusian region, and and ride horses. And we had gone to a, a, a tourist type training location, and I had had my first ride of the day, and I was sitting reading a book um, outside of the little room that we had rented, and somebody came running over to me and said that a plane had crashed into a building in New York. And, you know, being a pilot, I thought, oh, some wayward 172 had strayed and flown into a building. And I go into the room where they have the live CNN feed. And I, like everybody, probably, you're, you're just watching with absolute horror, fascination. I, I don't know how to describe it as... The smoke is billowing from the first building and nobody knows what's going on. And, and I don't know what it was like in the U.S. at that particular time. And I don't know what the news feeds were, but when you're in a foreign country and you're watching this, it, it felt incredibly vulnerable. Uh, we, you just didn't have a sense that you really had any idea what was going on. And I remember watching this thing and then the second plane hitting and, and the, the disbelief that I felt uh, at watching this and the, and the quiet that was in the room as none of us that are there quite knew how to comprehend what we were looking at. And then the building fell. And the, the thought of the thousands of people that were just instantaneously killed was incredibly profound still is and after that was over I remember walking around in Lisbon or other places and, and Portuguese people recognizing that I was an American would walk up and express their condolences for the country for us as citizens of the country that something so incredible would affect us. And it was the beginning and it was the end, I think, of uh, this broad-based acceptance and admiration of America. I, I, at that particular time, when I went to the airport, there was no way to get, get out of Portugal. The flights had all been canceled. Uh, you know, when I, when I went into Portugal, there was so much happiness at the airport. And when I left, it was machine guns and it was security and it was fear. And, uh, you know, it, it never recovered. Uh, it's never been the same in the times that I've been there since. I've had uh, much, much different conversations with people in foreign countries. And, and, and so it's really, it, it was one of those moments that I, I know people have them. Uh, about Kennedy and other things, where were you? But in my life, there's there's never been anything that has affected me as powerfully as that that moment when the building fell. Well, Joseph, and, uh, Joseph, you had a different perspective because you were in a in a foreign country. You were in Portugal. What what was the attitude and the were, were, was the shock as as great with the Portuguese people as it was with us here? Oh. 
Well, I wasn't, I wasn't over here, but I, I can tell you the, it was, everybody was stunned. It was absolutely, because, you know, it's hard to recall just how loved the USA was at that time. Uh, it, you know, we were, everything was growing, um, uh, the, the political, uh, situation was different and, and so the feeling for Americans was, was really, really great and, uh, when it happened, it was more just disbelief of, of why would somebody attack America? It was, um, plus if, it was, it was, if a lot of them had traveled to the United States as tourists, one of the places they would have gone would have been New York. They would have seen those. Yeah. Tours. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, once again, I, I wasn't over there. I, I couldn't call my wife. I, I couldn't get hold of anybody. The, the phone lines were clogged and, and you didn't know whether it was the beginning of, of a war, you, I, I just can't describe how, how, how incredibly vulnerable and, and far away from, from my wife and home and, and no way to get back. You know, I remember even calling to cruise ships, trying to find some way to get, get back to, to the U.S. Um, it was, it was absolutely uh, amazing. Well, I'm here with Lisa from Chicago. Now, Lisa, where were you at 9-11 and when you heard the news? Well, Glenn, I was, um, I was at home. I mean, I was, uh, I got a phone call from my sister that, that woke me up and, uh, you know, I turned on the TV and I just started watching. And, um, at that point, you know, the, the first tower had been hit, but, you know, they were still standing. And, you know, I was, um, I live on uh, Chicago's far north side, um, and actually back then we lived in Evanston, which is the um, suburb immediately to the north of Chicago. But my partner, he works uh, downtown in a skyscraper downtown Chicago. And so, you know, as, as all of this was unfolding and, and nobody knew what was going on and, and all of that, I mean, it just was really kind of nerve-wracking because um, he works not too far from the Sears Tower, which is, you know, could be a big target. Um, we just didn't know about that. And then my, um, my dad and stepmom were actually traveling, had flown out of state, um, and were traveling during that time. And, uh, they ended up having to, you know, get a rental car. And, and thankfully they thought ahead because, you know, and, and went ahead and did that because had they waited, um, they might not have been able, they might have been stuck for weeks out of state and away from home. So, you know, just watching on the TV and just being so like sick to my stomach, you know, and, and, um, and just thinking about all the people affected and, and all the parents, you know, all the kids whose parents were working in those, um, in those buildings. And, and my, um, you know, I have family members who, you know, are both in the, um, you know, police and, firefighters and and uh, relatives who are um you know so i i know what that's like when your family members are are going into dangerous situations so there was for me there was just so many different you know different levels that um you know even though i wasn't there i just felt for all the people who were experiencing that well i have uh on that note i speaking of the kids i have a Tribute to the victims of 9-11. This is by Riley Roth. It's called Always in My Memory. And she was two when her dad died uh, on 9-11 in New York. And now she sings. And I think she's like 10, I believe, when she sang this. And all the proceeds for this song are going to charities to help the children of of 9-11. So let's take a listen to that. about it and I've always wondered why Who were those men smiling in that shot I've heard stories about the day the towers crashed and the fire they fought My father was there that said, said day and I never got 
grandpa about that day He brought out the picture A tear in his eye when he began to say All these men had died Together on this day They did their call of duty As they helped save other lives with Tammy from the Western Radio Show, who has a little bit of a different perspective on where were you, Tammy, on 9-11 when you heard the news? Where was I? I actually was in Texas, Glenn. I had actually came over from Perth, Western Australia in 1999. I went back to, to Perth for a little bit to visit, and I was coming back in 2000. So I'd really only been back in Texas about 12 months when 9 happened. And I was just kind of training cutting horses out at Lindy Birch's at Oxbow Ranch. And for those in the cutting industry in the Western world, they know how strict the Lindy's equestrian camp is. And there was no, nothing but you had to work. There was no anything else, you know. So I remember hearing, I don't know if I heard it in the radio. We normally keep the radio on in the indoor arena. And I went up to the apartment above the barn and I, we turned the TV on and I remember thinking we should not be doing this. This is so against our work ethic. We work and we don't, you know, this is just against everything we're supposed to do. And although I, I'm, I'm Australian and I hadn't really been in Texas that long, I just remember sitting there and we tied the horses up and we thought, you know, we are, we just, we couldn't, we didn't work. We couldn't work. It wasn't important to us right at that time. So we just kind of just just put everything on hold for the day and went up and just gathered around the TV in the barn there and just watched it unfold. And I we we were watching after the first hit on the first tower and remembered you know the second one and I just thought this is just this is crazy and I was thinking everything that was going to come after this and I remember sitting there at the TV thinking I'm going to look back on this day and this day is going to be you know those days that that's just going to stick in history. This is going to be one of those monumental days that no one ever forgets. And I guess even on the days that you're watching and you realize that and you're thinking that, you still don't remember the extent of, of how momentous that really is. But even though I am not American, uh, you know, I like, I, I almost think of myself as being American because that's how wounded I felt and that's how hurt I felt by watching something like that because, you know, it, it's, 
being American is is one thing, but I think this was a this was a blatant attack against humanity. This was this was just an act that one human being doesn't do to another. And I think for me, coming from Australia, we have different beliefs, we have different religion, we have um, a different way of looking at life, but. The way I look at life, it doesn't matter what perspective you have. It doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what you think. Um, it's about respect. It's about respecting each other. It's about respecting life. And it's just about being kind to one another. And that was everything against that. So I think coming and being an Australian and looking at that day, it was a, it was, it was so, unhumanitarian if that's a word it was such an attack on on your ethics as a person you know so that's probably the the more of the perspective that i had at that time being australian in you know um, i remember my mother called me straight away and and she did because it was late at night in australia (laughs) yeah yeah she did she called me and she had no geographical knowledge of where they were in regard to texas and she's like oh my gosh are you okay I said, yeah, really, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long way from where I'm at here in, in Texas, but she was very, um, devastated. So news definitely traveled fast. So yeah, it was, um, it definitely got over there quick. And my brother had called me and chatted to me a little bit about it. They were pretty up to date of everything that had gone on. But yes, it was really hard for them over there without the, the knowledge of the states that, that I had over here. You know, when something like that happens, other things aren't nothing's really important anymore how do you go on how do you the horse that has to be loped you know is to win the fraternity is not important when and it's hard for me glenn because even you know not related to 911 but my father was killed by a drunk driver when i was four or five years old and i can sit there and if i'm driving for lunch and i see an ambulance go by it gives me this sick pit in my stomach and I look at that and I think, I know how much my life was changed by that one death by my father dying when I was four or five years old. It's changed my life. I wouldn't be in Texas if, if he hadn't been killed by that person. I would be in Australia. I would, my life would be so dramatically different. I would hate to even think. And I, I mean, I'm, I still consider myself very blessed for the life I have now, but it would be very different. So I look at those people that have lost those loved ones, either in a car accident that I'm I'm seeing it unfold between my eyes, or when 911 happened, and I think, look at all those hundreds of thousands of people, and look at all the lives that would be changed in the way that my life was changed. And I think that's how I relate to it the most, and that's what hurts me the most because I understand the pain of losing a loved one, and I see, and I know firsthand the way that that can change someone's life. And I look at those people, and I'm just sorry. You know, I'm sorry you have to endure those changes in your life, and not everyone has the strength to get through it in the best possible way. And I'm I am sorry for that. You know, and that's probably the the way I relate to it.
I live in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. But 9-11, I was at work. Somebody heard on the radio there was an airplane heading for the tower. And everybody stopped it and said, what? This doesn't happen in this country. But it did. And somebody had a computer with a TV screen or a little TV screen. And we stood there and watched it over and over and over and like, wow. Who ever heard of such a thing? Later that day, I got a phone call from my daughter-in-law who said that her sister, who works in the Pentagon, was okay. But she and her secretary had just left her office when the plane hit, and her office was gone. Even stranger was the fact that her secretary's brother was in the North Tower and made it out. I got a call from my stepdaughter who said, we're okay. I was on my way to work, and this plane came and wiped out the Pentagon a block and a half from where I was. I went home. That's what happened that day with us. I'm here with Dr. Tucker of the equine practice. And Dr. Tucker, where were you on 9-11 when you heard the news? I had just flown in the day before into Newark uh, Airport. And I was on the starboard side of the plane and I looked out on the crystal clear blue skies of the autumn day. And I saw the World Trade Centers standing tall. And I said, yep, I'm back in New York. And it, it was quite a thrill. And to land there and work all day the day before the tragedy was just uh, classic for New York. It, it was just an autumn day and it brought back so many childhood memories. Um, and that night I made my way over to New London, Connecticut, where I spent the night. And the next morning hopped on the ferry that took me across Long Island Sound. And that's where I was, somewhere on Long Island Sound, when this occurred, but I didn't know anything about it until my wife called me, and I was driving through the Hamptons when she said a plane had hit the, the towers. And I was on my way to uh, several farms that day in the Hamptons of New York. And the first place I went to, uh, everybody was in the office uh, looking at the TV, and I just couldn't believe what I saw. It was surreal. And... It was there that I saw the first tower collapse, and everybody was just uh, silent and, and unsure of what was happening. It was really real. And I pretty much made figured that I wasn't going to be able to do any work at that barn. Uh, and they said, just, just go. And it's really weird because when you travel all over the country and you're so set on a schedule to go from one farm to the next to get work done, that's the mode that you're in. And, I, and it hadn't hit me yet. And so I went to the next farm, and if anybody knows who's been to the Hamptons, there's a farm called Two Trees, which is just a huge place. And I'll never forget walking into the barn, and this is a world-class equestrian who had his horses there. And they were still in the cross ties, and it's like a ghost town. There's nobody there. And so I hunted around and found a small outbuilding where everybody had gone, all the grooms, the trainers, everybody, and they're in watching, and I saw the second tower collapse. And it started to hit home, and I'm getting goosebumps just now, just thinking about it. And I wondered how it's going to get off of Long Island, because the only way west is through New York City, which I thought was under an invasion at the time. So I made my way back to uh, the ferry, and the ferry was clear. I, I thought everybody was going to be evacuating Long Island. I was, I didn't know what to think. But I got on the ferry, and I got back into Connecticut, and I didn't know where to go. I wandered around, and next thing you knew, I was in Saratoga Springs at the Holiday Inn, where I sat at the end of the bed and stared at the TV all night, just replaying and watching this thing. I figured I had like 70 horses that I could work on the next day at Saratoga Springs. They would have no problems with me working there, but I was just devastated. On top of this, I needed to get home, and I couldn't because I had a rental car, and it was going to cost me over $4,000 to return it to Florida. And the next day, a full-page ad in USA Today said, you guys need to be home. And budget pretty much forgave anybody. They said, just drive wherever you need to be with your family, and we won't charge you any extra. So I ended up driving south down I-81, and I'm in Virginia, and I'm still numb. I'm still in disbelief. When a client from Florida called and says, hey, can you do my two horses? I said, well, yeah. She said, but wait a minute, there's a catch. 
Uh, my horse is now in Winchester, Virginia. And I just started laughing. I said, oh, I can be there in 30 minutes. Who would have thought? But it was that little break that I needed just to come back to reality and say, oh, my gosh, this is devastating. And and and, and I need I, I can't even put into words what was going on. And for the next year, I heard story after story of people who had either been at the trade centers, saw it happen, looked out the window and had it happen, knew people who had died in there that they had worked with, but they had left a year earlier to become horse trainers. Um, and the devastation of these people's minds for over a year was just indescribable. And even to today, when you think about the tragedy that occurred, and not just there, but every time I go through Pennsylvania and every time I pass the Pentagon in my travels, I just think of this day and how it was a turning point for all of us. It didn't matter if we like horses or not or where we sit on the political aisle. It was just, um, it, it strengthened our resolve to stand for freedom. And that's where I am. And that's why I still travel all over the country embracing the principles of America. Because those people who died, I'm not going to let them die in vain. I'm going to go out there and continue the American spirit because of them. Well, hi, Reese from the Dressage Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Reese, um, where were you on 9-11 when you heard the news? Well, Glenn, I was actually in the barn. Um, I was in the barn with my mom, um, who, you know, I'm really close to my mom, and we were actually doing stalls, and and getting ready, I was getting ready to ride. I was literally like going to put a bridle on my horse. And my mom always complained to me about the radio station that I chose. I don't know if that's other people's problems in the barn, but my mom likes classical and I didn't like classical. So she literally was just fussing with, with me about the radio show, the, the, the program I was listening to. And I was going to change the radio station and I was literally at the radio when I heard the news and, um, you know, I was in there, my mom was in there, and actually our plumber, Bill, was in there. And um, we literally all stopped and just, we didn't know what to do. We just, just stopped and, yeah, just listened to the radio. And at that point, I, I decided that we should probably go in the house and uh, turn on the radio and uh, or turn on the TV. And we did. We I, I unpacked my horse quickly, and um, Mom, Bill, and I all walked into the house. And um, we just sat there stunned and, and just really didn't know what to do. And um, I called uh, Travis, who is my now husband. At the time, we were dating, and he was in Seattle. And um, so I knew he w- wasn't up. So I called him and uh, his roommate that, that I'm close to picked up the phone, and I said, hey, you need to wake everybody up and, and, and listen. And we'll look at the radio, you know, look at the TV or the radio. So, um it was a morning that we all just kind of sat there, and we sat there for, oh gosh, I don't even remember, two or three hours, and finally, you know, I got up, and, and I don't think I rode any horses that day. I think, I, just like everyone else, we were all just stunned. And then I remember I had to do a clinic in St. Louis that weekend coming up, and I had to fly, and they called me, and they said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to come do the clinic? Um and I was a short fighter from Lexington to St. Louis. And, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go. I, I, I said, you know, there's, we can't, I can't stay home. I'm, I don't really want to drive seven hours to the clinic. So I'm going to fly. And, and I did. I flew, uh, that weekend. Um, and I think I was in the plane with one, one other person. Um, in the clinic, they were so thankful that I came. And, and one of the, one of my riders said, you know, you were so brave to get on the plane. And I, I think my response to her was, life has to go back to normal. You know, we can't, we can't let this kind of change our, I mean, it is going to change our lives, but we need to continue for all the people that were lost. I am here with Julie Broadway, who was in North, Car- living in North Carolina at the time. Julie, what do you remember about 9-11 and where were you when you heard the news? Well, Glenn, it's an, it's an interesting story. Um, I had gone to a conference in Quebec City. Um, I had traveled up a couple of days before the conference actually began. Um, at the time, my fiancé had gone with me, and he had just flown back to Raleigh, North Carolina, as the conference was beginning. The first day of the conference, um, we were attending a number of sessions, and word was starting to trickle out that something was happening in New York. 
and the conference organizers decided that they wanted to uh, keep everyone well informed of what the events were, and so they actually used the large screens they had set up in the main convention space to televise um, all of the news, and we were, uh, it was surreal because we were actually watching um, the towers burn, and we were watching as things were unfolding um, on this large screen. It looked like a, a movie, a terror movie. <laughs> um, and people were talking amongst themselves. People were trying very hard to contact family to find out if they were okay, to let them know that, that we were okay in Quebec City. Um, and just a lot of uh, emotion and anxiety. Everyone was, was very concerned about what was going on back home and, and how they were going to get home. And that was the second part of the equation. Once the reality of the situation kind of sunk in and we began to accept the events that we were seeing on this huge screen, um, we all began to think, now what? Um, and immediately people started trying to, to get a flight home. And, of course, they couldn't do that. And they tried to rent a car, and they had closed the borders between Canada and the U.S. at the time. Um, and so they couldn't rent a car to get home. And everyone was just anxious about how they were going to get back to their loved ones. It was, it was very emotional for everybody that was there. And a lot of people tried a lot of different avenues to, to get home. And in my particular case, I was stuck there for a couple of extra days. And finally, um, one of the companies that was based in Raleigh, North Carolina, chartered a bus. And the bus drove from North Carolina all the way to Quebec City, and they loaded everybody in the bus that they could hold that was anywhere on the route between there and North Carolina and put us all on the bus. It was a long journey home, and they stopped frequently and let people off the bus at just little intersections where their family could come and pick them up wherever they could find along the route. My thoughts are with everyone as we uh, remember this big event. Thank you for listening, and let's never forget. An airplane has hit the World Trade Center, and that's all we know. Today, we've had a national tragedy. American Airlines Flight 11 departed Boston for Los Angeles. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center. Our World Trade Center has been one of their missions. We heard a big bang, and then we saw smoke coming out, and everybody started running out. And now if you join me in a moment of silence. Thank you very much. May God bless the victims, their families, and America. Violence spread worldwide and families on the street. People running their hair on fire. People were jumping out of the World Trade Center. Jumping out because they don't know what to do. All we do is eliminate our future. reported that my brother John was the captain of American Airlines Flight 11, which was hijacked out of Logan Airport. I keep looking at the cornfield behind me, hoping that my brother comes walking on out. People were on those planes that just began their lives like children. My children are only five and eight years old. I think mommy's still at work. If anyone sees them, then please call us. Uh, please look at the picture and call me. Thank you. Walk blindly to the light and reach out for his hand. Don't ask any questions and don't try to understand. Open up your mind and then open up your heart. And you see that you and me are.
see you again. I want to let you all know that I love you very, very much.